Hey guys, welcome to Trinity Church Online. For more information, please visit us at ourtrinity.org or you can find us on Facebook at Trinity Church of Wheat Ridge or even on Instagram at Trinity Church CO. No matter where you are today, we are glad that you have joined us here. Sweet little Jesus boy, born in a manger, poor little holy child, we didn't know who you were, long time ago it seems you were born, sweet little Jesus born, we didn't know who you were, we didn't know you'd come to save us all, to take our sins away, our eyes were blind and we did not see. Didn't know who you were. We are trying, Lord. You are trying to teach us. We didn't know it was you, Lord. Even when you were dying. This world treats us mean, Lord. We treated you mean too. But our eyes were blind and we did not see. We didn't know it was you. Sweet little Jesus born, born in a manger. Poor little holy child, you didn't know who you were. Amen. Isaiah 9, 6 reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Glad that you came to join us this Christmas Eve service. It's pretty nice out, right? It's not super cold. I think yesterday was freezing. I went outside and I was like, I don't want to leave my house again because it was so cold. And I like the cold. That's the issue. I like it. So if I'm complaining, then it must have felt really bad. So uh, this is Christmas Eve service. It might be a little different than a normal Christmas Eve service, but then I was, as I was trying to think of a normal Christmas Eve service, I really haven't been to one that's been the same. So you know, I was like, well, I can't really say that, but I guess I will anyway. But I really want to start this off with something very different. I'm going to ask you a question. You're like, wow, clever. I want to ask you a question, okay? What is your least favorite part about Christmas? Oh, someone knew right away. Okay, Kathy knew right away. Right? Yeah, give, give me some answer. What's your least favorite part about Christmas? Okay, and this isn't like a time to like vent or complain, you know, but you know, I, I kind of want you to vent and complain. What's your, what was that? Commercialism. Presents? Commercialism? Who said that? Okay, here we go. What's that? Not enough, time. Not enough time? 
Yeah, we, the time is very short, right? The light bill. The light bill? Woo! Yeah, I probably seem like a Grinch. I don't have any Christmas lights on, but then I'm like, oh, the light bill, right? There, there, there's a lot of things during this time that, that some people don't like to think about. Some people are more positive thinking. Uh, and some people, they focus on the downside. They focus on their least favorite parts about things. Well, my least favorite part is the gifts. Now, let me explain. Because I love getting gifts. And I love giving gifts. You too? Yeah, someone's like, amen. I love getting gifts. My least favorite part about the gift season is twofold. One, I don't know what to get people. How many of you struggle with that? Whew. Man, you're at the mall, you're ready to go, you're like, man, I'm going to the store today, and then all of a sudden you're there and you're like, wait, I don't think I've ever, I don't know anything about this person. It's like your spouse or your sibling. Like, what am I supposed to get them? I, I, sometimes that, that frustrates me. But another part that I, I don't like about it is I don't know what to tell people what I want for Christmas, right? And then I'm thinking about I don't know my spouse, and then I'm like, wait, I don't even know myself. What am I supposed to get? You know, a lot of times I, my issue is usually if I need something, the, the, the wrong question to ask me at Christmas time is what do you need? Because my response is, well, if I needed it, I probably got it, you know? Now, Christmas time is more of a want, and sometimes I'm a little more hesitant. Well, I don't know if I want you to get me what I want because then I feel somewhat guilt. Like, there's this whole thing that goes up inside of me. Well, have you ever received a gift? And I, and I have no doubt because many of you raised your hands about not knowing what to get someone. Have you ever received a gift? And in fact, you didn't know you actually needed that gift until later on in life at some point. Yeah? Has that happened before? I know when I was in high school, I got a, a light. This light that had bungee cords on it, it was for my car. And I kind of got it. I was in high school. I just got a car, and I was kind of like, oh. I didn't, I didn't really know what to do with that. I was like, okay, cool, flashlight. I have used that thing more than my lungs, I'm pretty sure. Like, I've used that so often. And I didn't know at the time, man, this is something that I really, really need. But that is one of the most useful things that I ever got. And I have no doubt when someone bought it for me, they may have been thinking, oh, this is useful. But I'm sure they were also thinking, I don't know what to get him. I have no doubt. And I don't remember who it came from. It probably came from one of my parents. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. But Well, on, on Christmas Day, a long time ago, over, over 2,000 years ago, the ultimate gift was given. The ultimate gift was given. And sometimes the first thing that goes to your mind is the gift that the wise men brought. Well, unfortunately, they weren't there at the time. And I'm not talking about that ultimate gift. What I'm talking about is a gift that we didn't even know we needed. A lot like that flashlight. I didn't know I needed that. This gift that was given to us was something that we didn't know that we needed. What is this gift? You know the answer. Jesus, right? We know Jesus. We know that this is the answer. That's the reason why we're here. You know, I, I, hope, I, I don't imagine some of you are here like, whoa, wait, what? We're here about Jesus? I had no idea. No, we're here because of Jesus. That was the gift. But really, what is in this gift, though? What does, what does God giving his son really look like? What does that really mean? So today, I, I mentioned we're going to do it a little bit different than normal. Some of you are probably like, all right, we're supposed to be singing Christmas carols. What are we doing? All right? We are going to. And we're going to, what, what I'm going to do is I have, I have four points. And after each point, we're going to sing a Christmas song that correlates to that a little bit. Okay, so if you bear with me, I'm going to start with the, these points, and then we're going to jump into some songs, but we're also here for the story. We're also here to, to learn about Jesus. So the first thing that we see about this gift 
is that this gift is an eternal gift. An eternal gift. Turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 1. We're going to be in either Luke 1, Luke 2, Matthew 1, Matthew 2. This is where this whole story is found. So Luke 1, you can turn your Bibles, get out your phones, whatever it may be where you can read along with me. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be, uh, be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel, an the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age also has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who uh, was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel, angel departed from her. Let's focus on verse 32 and 33. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. In his kingdom there will, be no, there will be no end. Why is an eternal gift an important gift? Why is an eternal gift an important gift? How many of you have gotten a gift that has broken right away? Yeah? Like almost like out of the wrapping paper and it was in pieces at that point. I remember when I was in, I think, middle school, uh, my dad got my brother and I this, it, it was a, an electronic remote control helicopter. Okay, and I think it was mostly styrofoam. It had to have been mostly styrofoam. Because what happened is we're playing with it outside, Christmas Day. And I don't know why we thought, but my dad decided to throw the helicopter up instead of letting it just take off from the ground. Well, in return, what happens is it goes up, but then sideways, right at his head, and literally explodes on contact. And it, and it breaks completely. And then we were like, that was a great gift. And then it was no longer used anymore. See, it, things that last a long time have value, right? I love chocolate, and I love getting chocolate on Christmas, but that stuff is gone like that, right? If someone like accidentally stepped on my chocolate on Christmas, I wouldn't lose my mind, you know? But if I had something priceless, something that would last a long time, and someone stepped on it and broke it, I'd probably get a little more upset. Why did God give his son? Why did God do that? It's the, most, it's the easiest Bible verse. Everyone knows this Bible verse. For God so loved the world, right? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. See, he gave his only son. He sent him to die and to be our sacrifice. The ultimate sacrifice had to be made by an eternal offering. The Jewish people, they would make sacrifices. Even in Jesus' time and a little bit after Jesus' time, they would make sacrifices. On the day of Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, they would sacrifice a lamb to atone for their sins. But like every year on the same time, every single year, they had to make sacrifices consistently. 
Because the sacrifices they made weren't good enough. They weren't an everlasting thing. They were made out of flesh and blood. They were made out of things that were perishable. What Jesus did is he fulfilled those things by being the ultimate sacrifice, by being the eternal sacrifice. 1 Peter 1, we read, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. The gift we have been given in Jesus is an eternal gift, is the gift that goes on. When Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, he's still not in the grave today. Three days later, Jesus rose again. See, that's where we finish the rest of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, should not perish like the lambs that were sacrificed, should not perish like how their sins were atoned, but should have eternal life like how Jesus had and how Jesus had given them. We have eternal life, and we've received eternal gift like our everlasting Father in heaven. So now we're going to sing, Come All Ye Faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exaltation. Oh, sing, all ye bright hosts of few songs you don't have to stand if you don't because i know we're going to be standing and sitting and 
doing all that stuff. So I don't want to wear you out for Christmas Day. Um, but no, if you would like to stand, feel, feel free to stand, but I'm not going to make anyone stand. So The first thing we saw was an eternal gift. The next thing we see about Jesus, this gift that we have been given, is that it is in fact a universal gift. It is a universal gift. Matthew 1, if you want to turn there, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had, uh, what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. One of my favorite gifts growing up was a Visa gift card. How many of you liked getting Visa gift cards? I remember when I was younger. See, because if you give cash, cash, you know, it's kind of like, oh, here's some cash. But if it was a gift card, you know, I was thinking about it, right? That's what a gift card means. So when you got a Visa gift card, it was I'm thinking about it, but I didn't think too hard about it, right? But I loved them because I could spend it wherever I wanted for the most part, right? I could spend it wherever I wanted. If you got a specific gift card, even though I, I went to uh, Target or, or, or Walmart or whatever it may be, even though I went to those places, I was restricted to it. But the Visa gift card was universal from the most part. There were instances where I like, pulled out a gift card and it was some like taco stand and they're like, what is this? You know, what are you talking about? The gift from God has universal properties. This gift from, about, of Jesus is universal. We read in John 3.16 that God so loved the world, right? It doesn't say God so loved an individual. God so loved this person or this group. It, the world. This gift is for all people. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus' sacrifice wasn't for a specific group. It was for the world. We, we live in a world that wants to separate us, right? They want to separate us by, 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 by color, by race. They want to separate us by socioeconomic status. We live in a world that is super divisive. But what we read, what God is going to do in Revelation 5.9 is, and they sang a new song singing, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seal. For you were slain, and your blood, you, uh, by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. See, Jesus' sacrifice, Jesus coming to this earth was for everybody. There's unity in the body of Christ. There's unity in that. So we see that it's for everybody. It's a universal thing, but it is also for us individually, no matter who you are. Now, how many times is that the instance, right, where you have something that you can specifically use and every other person in the world is able to use it properly too? Sometimes that doesn't, unless it's like a spoon, you know, but I've some, seen some people, I hold spoons weird, I think, you know. But Jesus, it is for an individual specifically as well. 
When we read in those verses, we read Emmanuel means God with us. Why is this important? Why is it important that that God was with us? The incarnation of Christ, which means Christ, Jesus in the flesh, God becoming flesh, signified more than God just becoming a man. What this really signified is that he lived as a human. God lived as a human. Don't people without children just give the best advice to people with children? <laughs> right? Sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll be writing, you know, someone in the store, your kid's crying maybe, and they're kind of like, well, you should do this. You know? You're like, well, just wait. You know, wait till you have kids. You know, or you don't know what I'm going through, right? You don't know what this kid is like at home. You know? Maybe some of those things. But it's hard for us to relate or to open up to people that, that really don't know what we're going through, right? You know, we can, some people, they, they, they can read all the books that they want, but sometimes it's like, well, you don't know exactly what I've gone through, though. You don't, what, the words that you're saying you think are helpful, but they're not. See, the, thing, the difference between God and Jesus, when Jesus came and lived as a human, it allowed him to know what we're going through. He knows what we're going through. Jesus went through temptation, the same temptation that we have all gone through. In Hebrews 4, we read, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respects has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And I think we hear about that one a lot, right? That Jesus was tempted in every way, and he overcame it, and he allows you to overcome those sins as well. But not everything in life is just about temptation, right? What about poverty? You know? Jesus was literally born, as they say, in a barn. Right? He, he, he had no place to lay his head. Matthew 8, and Jesus, and Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, which is Jesus, has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus knows what it's like to live in poverty. Weariness. In John 4, Jacob's well was there. So Jesus wearied as he was, uh, as, uh, sorry, as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus knows what it's like to work hard and be weary. Jesus knows what rejection is like. In John 6, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. He knows what it's like to be ridiculed in Mark 15, and they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had uh, mocked him, they stripped him from the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him, and they laid him, led him out to crucify him. And Jesus knows what loneliness is like. In Matthew 27, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This gift that has been given us, it, it is not a, uh, a, it doesn't show a ruler that's high and above and is unaware of your needs. It doesn't show someone that maybe, you know, is, 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 is just there an ear to listen to, right? Jesus knows what you're going through. Individually, he can relate to you one-on-one, no matter who you are in this world. See, we have been given a gift that can relate to us and is there for us. He is not a holier-than-thou ruler, but instead a wonderful counselor. So now let's stand, I guess, and sing Joy to the World. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every 
heart, prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His turn over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So we're going back and forth between Matthew and Luke. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, uh, Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no, no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the, their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel... With, an, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the, the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered, wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Focus on verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. To some people, Christmas time is, in fact, an unenjoyable time of year. And not, not necessarily just because there's long lines. I went to Walmart yesterday and whew, I forgot it was what it was like to not shop online anymore. 
It's not the long lines, and it's maybe not even the endless Christmas music that you hear from, like, I guess October 31st now to, like, the middle of January. But there's some genuine things that trouble people. This, this is not a time of peace for a lot of people. Some things that may cause this is, is maybe, maybe, like I said, the loud music, the long lines. People just, they get irritated with it. Maybe it's you just, you're not having good relationships with family. You know that this is a time where family comes together and, and you know that there's, a, there's issues within the family. Maybe when you're buying presents, you're not sure how you're going to, maybe you have children and you're not sure how you're going to afford it, uh, the gifts for your kids. You know, how do, how do I even say hi to this individual during this time of where, where we're talking about peace? How do I say hi to them when they've hurt me so much? This isn't always a time of peace. But I would say not just Christmas, but this year, this year has been not a good time for peace. Right? We see a lot of political tension that's going on. We have this little thing called COVID that's going on, right? There's so much turmoil. There's so many reasons to turn against a brother. This year needs some peace. Wouldn't it be nice to have some peace right about now? Amen? See, what we see with Jesus, this ultimate gift that God has given us, that he gave us peace. God has given us peace. Now, it's hard to have peace with other people. You may say, what do you mean he's given us peace? We've had great, we've had world wars since then, right? I'm still not at peace with some people. We see people fighting back and forth. We know that it's hard to have peace with others. In fact, the Bible tells us that. In Romans 12, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Even God knows, hey, you can do what you can, but it's hard to live in peace in this world. So what we see, this peace, this peace starting with, is peace with God. Jesus now has allowed us to have peace with God. Romans 5 verse 10 reads, For if, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Reconciled here means restored friendly relations. See, we were enemies of God. When we're living in our sin, our sin is so against God that we are enemies with God. And because Jesus coming to this earth and suffering for us, we are now restored to friendly relations. We are now reconciled to God. Colossians 1, 19 through 22 reads, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. This is Jesus. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil, do, evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order present, to present you holy and blameless, blameless and above reproach before him. We're described here as alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's how we were towards God before Jesus. And instead of us, you know, we're doing our part, right? We have, no, we weren't doing our part, but God did his part. And he sent his son to allow this peace to come into the world. Because of this gift, this gift of Jesus, the Prince of Peace has made it possible for us to have peace with God. Let's sing Hark the Herald, Angel Sings.
seen that Jesus is an eternal gift, or we see that Jesus is a universal gift, we see that Jesus is a peaceful gift, and the last thing that we're going to see here is that Jesus, in fact, is a powerful gift, a powerful gift. Now we're in Matthew 2, Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to start reading in verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the men, the wise men, secretly, and ascertained from them uh, what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen, uh, they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. 
What, in fact, are we celebrating today? Christmas Eve? You're right. It is Christmas Eve, right? Jesus. I think many of you would probably say Jesus' birthday. How many of you have a birthday cake on Christmas? Does anyone do that tradition here? A couple people? Yeah. I think that's kind of a cool, I like that tradition. I think our children church on Sunday, they had like happy birthday signs, like they made these things for Jesus. Well, I think a lot of us would say we celebrate the birth of Jesus, his birthday. I've been, doing, I've been teaching a class, uh, well, it's over now, but um, on holidays and God. God and the holidays. And, and I was talking about Christmas, and do you know, for a long time, people didn't celebrate birthdays? <gasps> Man, birthdays is like the biggest holidays in some people's lives, right? You're like, you didn't celebrate, what? You didn't celebrate, your, your mom gave birth to you this day, you're not celebrating you on this day? I heard a lot of people, you should be celebrating your mom on this day, <laughs> amen? <laughs> so I don't always say we don't celebrate the birth of Christ, which it is the birth of Christ, but I think the most important thing here is in fact the incarnation, okay? What incarnation means is to take on flesh, Now, why is this important? Because God became flesh. God, let me say that again, God became flesh. John 1, verse 1 through 3, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The Word The word, word, in this verse, is Jesus. So let me me read that again. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. How many of you saw the Christmas star, uh, what, a couple nights ago? Did you went out and look? There was this giant, this guy had this giant, it was the size of a cannon, literally, this telescope uh, where we went and looked, and it was amazing to be able to see it through that. He also pointed it at the moon, and like, he, not with the lens that he had, but he said with his telescope, you're able to like count the grains of sand. Or, like You could get super close to the moon. So we were able to see uh, the, the planets and the, the stars, all these things through this telescope. Isn't it an amazing thing? That's a cool thing, right? Especially if you sit back and, and, and understand how vast this universe is. We're just on this little blue planet, and we're just this tiny little thing on this little blue planet, right? The Bible says that the the, the entire universe, everything that we see, galaxies, stars, planets, all those things, is just but the outskirts of his garment. It's just the, the very brief edge of who God is. In fact, the Bible says that when God was creating the world, he breathed out stars. We know our sun is big, right? And our sun is like kind of like a medium to small sized star compared to the ones in this universe. Our God is a star breather, is one that is robed with the galaxies of this world. That, what we're talking about, took on flesh. Became like you and me. Dry skin and all. Man, winter time. That's, that's what we're talking about here, is God became flesh. This is so important because what we see, in fact, is the angels celebrating this as well, right? 
And in three of the four passages, what we read is the angels appearing to someone, either to Mary or Joseph or the shepherds, saying, hey, this is an amazing thing that's going to happen. Right? And what was the reaction to the people? What did, what did Mary, Joseph, and Shepherd, what did they all do when the angel showed up? They were fearful. They trembled, right? Now imagine that being, we see that being, like, oh, whoa, whoa, oh, don't hurt, you know. And that angel saying, hey, something even greater than what you're seeing right now is happening. If we were to see a baby being born or an angel, we might lean towards the side of an angel looking a little probably cooler. But even the angels are saying like, hey, forget about me. The God of this universe has took on flesh, has become a baby. And that, that, that in and of itself is one of the most amazing things in, in this whole thing. And if we're going to celebrate Christmas, we need to be celebrating it that way, right? It's like, man, God took on flesh. But that isn't even the most amazing thing that happens in these books of, of Matthew and Luke. That's not even the most amazing thing that happens. See, what we see is that God took on flesh, right? But he didn't take on the flesh of a king. He didn't take on the flesh of, of someone that's higher in society, someone that would command respect. In Philippians 2, we read, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. See, when, Jesus, when, when God took on flesh, when Jesus became a man, he humbled himself to the point of a servant. Jesus was a carpenter, and as we read, he, he experienced poverty. He said, foxes and birds, they have more of a dwelling place than I do. He was rejected by people. God became man so that he might save us from our own destruction. God took on flesh so that he would save us from our own destruction. In Hebrews 2, we read, But we see him, uh, him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus suffered. Jesus died on the cross for us. We talked about, about peace and how, how he created peace between us and God again. And in those verses, we saw that we were enemies with God. We rebelled against God. We revolt against God. And Jesus came to die for you. The Jewish people at that time, because Jesus was a Jew, some people forget that. Jesus was a Jew, practiced a lot of the Jewish things. The Jewish people rejected him. And they have the Old Testament. Right? They didn't have the New Testament, because it wasn't written yet. They have the Old Testament, but the Old Testament, do you know what the Old Testament speaks about? Jesus. Moses, that's, the, that's the, the first five books of the law. All the prophets, the kings, they all speak of Jesus. So the Jewish people, they knew the Messiah was coming, but they rejected him because what they were seeking was a mighty ruler. They were seeking one that would help them destroy their enemies and, be, and bring peace to the whole world. That's what they wanted. 
And what we see is that Jesus, in fact, when we read the end of the book, he will do that. Jesus will set up his kingdom. But I think the most powerful thing wouldn't be God just coming and destroying his enemies. The most powerful thing that God could do and that God did was in fact died and sacrificed his own son for you and me. Him taking on flesh has allowed him to be our savior. In Hebrews 2, we read, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil. He has shown to be greater than death. He has shown to be greater than the one that holds death. Death. He is greater than all of our sin. He is the mighty God, our Savior. Now please stand as we sing, O Holy Night. stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear Savior's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh hear the angel voices oh night divine oh night when christ was born oh night oh holy night oh night Led by the light of faith serenely beaming with glowing hearts by his cradle we stand. So led by light of a star sweetly gleaming, here came the wise men from Orient land. The King of kings lay thus in lowly manger in all our trials, born to be a friend. He knows our need to our weakness is no stranger. Behold your King before him gladly bend.
King. Before Him gladly bear. Truly He taught us to love one another. His law is love and His gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord. Oh, praise His name forever. His power and glory He evermore proclaim. His power and glory the more proclaim. So traditionally, we take communion on Christmas Eve. Um, I believe a lot of churches do this as well. And the reason why we do this is to remind us of the purpose to why he came to earth. See, today I talked a lot about the gift, right? The gift of Jesus. But as you notice when I talked about him, I didn't refer to him as a little baby, right? Because Jesus grew up, Jesus grew into a man. And this man, Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He was without sin. Even though he was tempted in every way that we are tempted, he did not stumble. See, this man, he, Jesus, he performed miracles too. He healed people. He brought back sight to the blind. He did every good thing you could possibly imagine. And in return, he was rejected. And that rejection comes from sinful man. See, if we were there at the time, I believe we would have rejected him too. Our sinful heart is against God and against what he wants Jesus to do. So they put him on a cross and died for our sins. But an amazing thing happened. He didn't go in the grave and stay there. Jesus rose again. Jesus is alive today, and by doing so, what he showed is that he is stronger than death. He is stronger than our sin. He is stronger than the devil. And it is only by Jesus that we can be saved. See, there is none righteous. No, not one. Every single one of us has sinned. Every single one of us have fallen short of the glory of God. 
There's nothing we can do on this earth that will ever give us an opportunity to be in heaven with God. No good works. But because of Jesus' sacrifice, we are now at peace with God if we accept that free gift. God sent his son. God, God allowed his son to die for us. Now God is offering us that grace, offering us that gift of salvation. And I know God wants you to hear that today because you're here right now. So as we take communion, that's the purpose of taking communion is because Jesus came to this earth to die for us. That was his whole purpose. So if the men would mind uh, coming forward, I'd like to remind you or let you know that communion is for believers. It's for those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, if you have not done that, I would encourage you to do so. See, Jesus loved the whole world that he sent his only son to die for you, that whoever believes on him will not perish but have eternal life. All that you have to do is understand that you are a sinner. You are in need of a Savior. And that's who Jesus is. Jesus is that Savior. And when you know I can't do it on my own, but I accept this gift that God has given me. See, when we, when we repent of those things and turn towards God, he will give us that grace. He will save you. If you have not done that, if you have not accepted this free gift of salvation, please do not take of this. And it's not because I don't want you to be part of our club. It's because you taking this is you telling God, I accept this judgment. And so please, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, please do not take of this. But you have an opportunity to do so right now. And this bread and this cup we're about to drink is not going to save you. Only you calling out to the Lord will save you. So as, we're, as we take the time to, to, to pass out the bread and, and stuff like that, please pray. Please talk to God. Ask God to save you. Father God, we thank you so much for this time of year where we can celebrate the birth of your son we can celebrate the incarnation of the Christ, God in flesh. Father, I pray at this time we would not use it and, and waste it on, on just on, on celebrations, but that we would focus on why he came to this earth. Father, I pray if anyone in here needs to call out to you, if anyone in here needs to be saved, that they would do so. Father, I pray if there's anyone in here that, that uh, may not know what to say, maybe they would uh, say something in their heart along this line. They would call out to you and say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that my sin has separated me from you and there's nothing I can do to fix that relationship. But you sent your son to die for me. And then even though I was your enemy, you still loved me enough to save me. And God, I'm accepting that gift of salvation. 
I'm calling it out to you as my Savior, and I'm reaching out. Father, thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray if anyone has prayed that today, that they would share it. This is a time to celebrate the things that you are doing in our lives. God, I pray as we, we take this, this bread and this juice, Lord, that it won't be done as out of a ritual, but it will be done from a, a clarity of understanding that this was representing your body that you have sacrificed. It represents the blood in the new covenant that we have. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. He took on flesh, he was beaten, he was rejected, and died so that he might put our own sin 
to death too. In 1 Corinthians 11, we read, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The cup we're about to drink represents the blood that was shed for us. And this blood represents the new covenant that has been given to us. See, we are no longer under the law, but we are underneath the grace of God. This salvation is what has and what will judge us. See, it's not works, but it's by grace, and this cup represents that. Without the birth of Christ, we would have no hope still. Father God, I pray as we take this cup, Lord, that we will be thankful and grateful for this new covenant that you have made. That is by your grace we are saved. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Well, thank you for joining us on this Christmas Eve service. Uh, Traditionally here at Trinity, uh, what we do to close our Christmas Eve service is we have a candle lighting ceremony of some sorts, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, And what we do here is we have a bunch of candles in these baskets. And what I'll need you all to do, we have significantly more people on this side than that side. Um, So... I want like the two like two back rows on this side, which has one group of people, but it's a lot of people. I want you to jump on this side just for the line purposes. But this side of the sanctuary, go ahead and line up and grab a candle. And what you'll do is go all the way around and meet in the back. Okay, so we're going to make a circle in the sanctuary. And then we will light the candles. Uh, and I need to make an announcement about lighting the candles. So you light a candle, this one's lit, do not do this, because then wax gets on this. What you do is lit candle, unlit candle, turn the unlit candle, okay? I know I've burnt my hand as many a times doing it. So uh, just remember that, I had to make that, that cautionary warning a little bit. But if you wouldn't mind, please line up on this side over here, except for like that back row, uh, go ahead and jump on this side, and then we'll just make a circle around, and then we will sing Silent Night as we all have our candles lit.
start with you.
Father, thank you for this time of year. Thank you for your son. God, I pray that you will keep us safe as we travel home. Keep those that are traveling uh, to be with family. Keep them safe as well, Lord. And to God, I pray during this time that we would not forget your son. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so you may blow out your candles. And as you leave today, there are boxes on the side of the door. Uh, they're kind of like Christmas wrap boxes. If you could put them, the used candle in there, make sure it is not lit, please. Uh, but have a Merry Christmas, um, and hopefully we see you on Sunday.